So you want to start a business and you thought YouTube would be the best place to get started. I love YouTube from a business perspective. I think that YouTube is the best place for anyone in any business to get started with sharing their genius and solving the problems of their customers. But what about like how to make this into an actual business? How do you know that what you're going to do is going to convert sales and get you money? How are you going to hit monetization and all these other important milestones to get you on the path to making money from YouTube? That's why in today's podcast, I deep dive into this with the one and only Jillian Perkins. Welcome to the Women of YouTube podcast. This podcast is hosted by me, Desiree Martins. Every week, I'm going to be showing up in your earbuds to inspire you on your YouTube journey with killer interviews with women YouTube creators, deep dives into the inner workings of how YouTube works, and discussing all the things about YouTube culture and the impact it is having on our world. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with vidIQ, where they help you maximize your videos YouTube reach by studying titles, descriptions, tags, and playlists relevant to your subject matter, while also studying your competitors to help you know exactly what you should be doing for your YouTube growth. So if you're a female creator looking to grow your channel, level up your content, and learn from the best women creators on the platform to get you on your way to YouTube success and future-proofing your income, this is the perfect place for you. Let's do this. What's up, ladies? Welcome to the episode of the Women of YouTube podcast. I am so excited and happy to be here with you today. I am talking with Jillian. Jillian has over 500,000 subscribers on YouTube, and she is all about helping you build a business with YouTube as its foundation. She has so many great courses and programs and just massive amounts of fantastic information that is going to help you through your journey as a creator and as a business owner. And what I love the most about what she's doing is how I'm able to like deeply connect with her because she's a mom and a wife and she's able to be the financial provider for her family by only working like half days because she's also like homeschooling and taking care of her little kids. I think that's just such an amazing accomplishment for what she's been able to do. You guys are going to get so much jam-packed value out of this. You are not going to regret it. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Gillian. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Julian. I am so excited to dive into this with you. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here today. Absolutely. So why YouTube? Why YouTube? Ooh, that's a big question. Well, it started back when I was around 20 years old and I just started a YouTube channel on a whim. I liked watching beauty vloggers back then. And so I thought that looked really fun and cool. So I made a few videos and a few videos turned into more. And after about 50 videos, I had not turned my channel into a success at all. And it was still very much just a hobbyist thing, but um, I had learned so much along the way. I ended up deciding to shut down that first channel because I realized that wasn't really what I wanted to do long-term. But later, a few years later, after I had studied digital marketing for a few years, I started a marketing agency and I remembered that YouTube had been a really easy way for me to get exposure. Even when I had no audience at all, even when no one really know, knew who I was at all, I put up videos on the internet you know, that weren't very good quality and I was able to get thousands of views on some of them, hundreds of thousands of views on others. And I even had one that took off and got 500,000 views without that much effort on my part. So that really just showed me the power of YouTube and that there was an audience there on YouTube and that the algorithm really helped creators get discovered. And so I thought, you know, I need some exposure for my marketing business. So 
let's try YouTube. So I started making marketing videos every week and really quickly my channel took off within about three months. I had a thousand subscribers and then it just kept doubling from there. So month four, I got another thousand. So I was at 2000 month five, I got another 2000 taking me to 4,000 um, month. What am I at now? Five, six. Anyway, I got then 4,000 and then 8,000 and then 16,000. And then ever since I got up to that 16,000 mark, I've continued to get between, I would say eight and 16,000 per month for the last four years. And that's incredibly insanely like, whoa. So what is it that your channel does? So my channel is all about entrepreneurship, especially digital entrepreneurship and digital marketing. So it's for people who want to learn how to make a living online and they want to both learn, you know, the product side of things, how to create a product, start their business, but also how to market their business. So let's dive into that a little bit. So who is your like target person? You said that you help people who like want to make a product or a service. Like who is that person? Is it like a stay at home mom? Is it like a service-based business? Who are you talking to and serving best? Yeah, I, you know, it's a big variety of people. I would say for sure, most of these people have dabbled in online business a little bit. They are, they know that they want to earn a living online, but most of them are not like full-time freelancers right now at all. A lot of them are stay-at-home moms, um, but also a lot of them are people with a day job who know that they don't want to keep working that day job forever. So they want to start a side hustle that eventually becomes their full-time thing. And how did that migration happen? So you started a marketing agency. How did this bridge happen? Yeah. So originally I studied marketing for my own brick and mortar business. So I wanted to learn how to market my business better. But over time, I realized that that brick and mortar business I was running wasn't what I wanted to do long-term. I wanted to do something online. And so I decided to use that marketing knowledge that I had to help other people market their own businesses. So I started a small digital marketing agency and I ran that for about two years. And what I really liked about it was I was working in marketing, which was a passion of mine is a passion of mine and something I really enjoy. But what I didn't like about it was that I was working one-on-one -on -one with customers providing services. And I quickly discovered that that was just not really my preference in terms of the type of work that I do. I am a teacher at heart. When I ran my brick and mortar business, it was a music studio and I taught music lessons for over 10 years. And while I didn't want to stay in the music industry forever, I did love the teaching aspect. So I realized that I needed to pivot my online business to be more teaching focused. And so that's exactly what I did. I ended up discontinuing my client services and instead I focused on teaching, marketing and small business ownership. So then how have you been able to make a revenue? Let's dive into, I guess, like the business part of this. So I am a service basis. I also have a marketing agency. So I'm very fascinated about like how you transitioned out of that and like what you do instead. Yeah. So initially I was providing services um, and quite a wide range of services, which was probably my biggest business mistake with that business was that I was providing everything from Facebook ads and Google ads to web design, just all sorts of different types of digital marketing. So when I started teaching instead, I knew I needed to specialize a lot more. So it was a series of courses, each with a very specific focus. The first one I created, which was a complete flop at first, by the way, um, I created a course on list building because I had been studying list building and using it for a couple different businesses I was running at the time and was finding a lot of success with getting new email subscribers. So I wanted to teach people how to get their email list off the ground. So that was the very first thing that I tried teaching. Like I said, I didn't make any sales of that course right off the bat. 
but over time, I did start to make more and more sales of even that first course I created. Um, as far as what my revenue model looks like today, though, the biggest source of income is a membership program that I run for new entrepreneurs. It's called Startup Society. We've got about 500 members in the program, and it's people from all walks of life who are interested in starting and growing an online business. And inside the program, we teach them just the fundamental basics of business. So it's really business school for the digital entrepreneur. And we've seen a lot of success with that program. Like I said, that's the biggest source of revenue, but we also earn revenue from a couple other digital programs that we run. One of them is called Creator Fast Track, and that is our program for new YouTubers who are getting their YouTube channel off the ground. It's specifically geared towards getting them to a thousand subscribers and getting monetized as quickly as possible. And we also run a business accelerator called Validate. So we've got these digital programs. We also earn a fairly significant amount of revenue from YouTube advertising, which pays surprisingly well, and a little bit from affiliate advertising as well. Okay. So you've talked about a lot of everything. So I'd love to dive into a couple of these. So the transition, so you obviously I'm guessing use YouTube as like your lead source for all of these services, correct? Yeah. YouTube is definitely my primary lead source. Um, specifically YouTube is really where we get the traffic and the initial exposure. And then we will promote various opt-in offers and people sign up for my email list. And that's where the nurturing happens for our customer journey. So where we really have a conversation and build a relationship with people is via email and also as on Instagram. Now, I preach a lot about this when I educate people about YouTube. I say like from video number one, we need to be getting people onto an email list of some kind so you can maintain that relationship, that conversation, because I'm not about to rely on a third party tool like YouTube to get my content in front of the people that would hopefully want to do business with me. So what is it that you are offering and doing within YouTube to get people onto a list that our listeners could also do for their channels. Yeah, absolutely. And I completely agree with you. It is so important to be getting people off of YouTube. You don't want all your eggs in one basket. As amazing as YouTube is for getting exposure, for growing your brand. Um, and, you know, I love YouTube so much, but it is not, you know, I would never want to have all of my eggs in that basket and have my business completely reliant on that. So I've made it a big priority to grow my email list and to send people over to Instagram as well, just to diversify a little bit. Um, as far as how to do that, I want to share one specific story that can you know, can really use this strategy in a variety of different ways and regardless of what you know the topic of your video is. So a few years ago, I made a video about how to write a business plan. And of course, I wanted to offer some sort of free opt-in with that, something that people could sign up for my email list to get. And what made a lot of sense with that video was a free business plan template. So I created a, a template, essentially a worksheet people could use to write a business plan. And I actually used the template in the video. Now that made this opt-in offer so much more appealing to people because they could see how it worked and that it worked. So we had a really high opt-in rate with that video. Another thing that I did with that particular video was on the thumbnail itself, I put the words plus free template and I even showed a little mock-up of the template. So it really set people's expectation from the start that they wanted to watch this video to get that free thing. So the incredibly high conversion number that we saw there was 13% of the people who watched that video went on to join my email list. 
13%, which is crazy. That's like the highest conversion rate I've ever had on any piece of content where it's promoting something free. And like I said, it's because I promoted the free opt-in on the thumbnail and I used it in the video. So people got to see what it was and how it worked. And, you know, that video went on to get a couple hundred thousand views. And so I ended up getting tens of thousands of email subscribers from that one video. That's incredibly impressive because I know for me, a lot of my videos are like long-term growth. Like I can measure the, the growth like three, six, nine, 12 months down the road. Yeah. And I know the right, the right nurturing plan converts so well, especially when you stay connected. Now you have, you know, you're offering something really fantastic and so valuable for people who are watching how have you been able to figure out what content to create? Now, I know that you are currently sitting at just over 500,000 subscribers, which is so amazing as a, as a female YouTube educator and creator. What I'm curious about is you are able to do sort of a wider variety of content. So you talk about YouTube, you talk about list building, you talk about all of these different things that while they all relate together, like they all go back to entrepreneurship and stuff. How did you get there? Like, how did you get to that point? Like, did you just like double down on like one keyword and just like use that to grow? Um, like what was that process like? Because at some, I know, I know from other creators I've talked with and stuff, like you get to this point, like, like, well, I can create more of what I want. I can experiment more because I've at this, I'm at this threshold. What did you do to get there? Yeah, that's a really good question. And you, you use the word process a few times, like what was the process? And I think that that is so key because it's not just like there's one quick trick that's going to make you suddenly blow up on YouTube or one thing you can do over and over again, aside from, and I feel like people hate this advice for some reason, but aside from making really good quality content, making your content the best quality it can possibly be, that's the one thing you have to keep doing the whole time, right? Mm -hmm. But beyond that, it is such a process and the strategy changes over time. So for example, when you are first getting on YouTube and you're just trying to get your first hundred, your first thousand subscribers, you really have to go grassroots because the algorithm isn't helping you out yet. And so you need to use one-to-one -one direct strategies where you tell your friends and your family about your channel and you work on making content that keeps the right people coming back over and over again. And you use the right strategies to network online, you use the right strategies to promote your videos online so you can start to get that initial traction. And then as you surpass that thousand subscriber milestone and probably at around the same time you surpass around 15 to 35 videos on your channel, then the algorithm is going to start giving you some help. And that's when you really need to lean heavily into SEO strategies and make sure that you are creating algorithm optimized content so you can get into the suggested and get your videos listed at the top of the search. Okay. So you've said something very interesting is like, once you get to the thousand mark, you're at like the 35 to 40 video mark. Now I do know from my personal experience and also from a lot of the women, like in the women of YouTube group and community that they've made a ton of videos and they haven't gotten to that point. Since you have this program that focuses on helping people get to thousand subscribers as quickly as possible to get them monetized, which I love, what is it that people are doing wrong? Like, what is it that makes people like create like over a hundred videos and not get mm -hmm. to that milestone? Yeah, I would say that there are two main things, but 
there are a few other things as well, but here's the two main things. The first one is that they try to just copy the strategies of big established channels. So instead of trying to use these grassroots strategies and the right promo strategies for small channels, I was alluding to, they just try to copy those big channels. So they say like, oh, what's working for Mr. Beast or what's working for Casey Neistat? And they try to do that on their small channel but that really doesn't work when the algorithm isn't even paying attention to your channel yet. Um, you not get, you're not going to get much traction. And it's not just about the algorithm. It's also about you know, thinking about you in relation to the ecosystem that you're in. Um, an analogy I use sometimes is you can have the best chocolate cake recipe out there, but if you're trying to bake that cake in the wrong situation, like say at the bottom of a swimming pool, that recipe is just not going to work out for you. And the same thing happens where people try to use the right strategies or at least really good strategies in the wrong situation. Um, so the big channels, they have really big established audiences. They have millions of people who know who they are and love their content. So they can get away with making videos about all sorts of kind of random topics, but people know them and love them and want to watch their videos for them. When you're just starting out, you don't have that yet. People don't know they want to watch your videos for you. So you really have to tap into their existing interests and make videos, make sure that you're making videos about popular topics and you have to prioritize that over your personality while at the same time letting your personality shine through your videos. And I don't just mean like your personality, but your video production style and everything about your videos um, so that people will want to come back for more because you need to make the most out of every viewer that does find your videos and convince them to watch more of your videos because that is what will get you on the algorithm's good side the fastest. And also obviously just naturally maximize your views because you're getting those viewers to watch repeated videos. So that's the first thing. And that leads right into the second thing, which is a lot of both new YouTubers and bigger YouTubers, you know, just a, most people, you know, they don't really create standout content. They're creating pretty good content, but think about your own behavior. If you find a YouTube channel that has a pretty good video, then you watch the video and okay, that was all right. You know, help me out a little bit. I learned something. But when do you choose to subscribe? When do you want to go on and watch more and more videos from that channel? Well, it's when you see a video that is really different from what you've seen on other channels and really good. It's when that video is exceptional. So you have to think about your own behavior and how you would react to the content that you, if you're that, you know, that new YouTuber, how will you react to that content that you're putting out? Would you be excited about it and want to immediately subscribe and watch more of these videos or would you probably forget about it? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that happens is people want to be memorable and powerful and they want to be like the top YouTubers and the people that they admire. And they just realize that they're not there. Like go watch those people's first videos mm -hmm. and like let yeah. them know how like, you'll see how they got there. Like, you know, to use the Mr. Beast example that you did, like, his first videos are terrible. Marcus Brown's yeah. first videos are terrible. I Justine's first videos are terrible, but everyone has to start somewhere. And I don't know why we think that we have to start out the gate, like perfectly lit and like perfect makeup and, and perfect clothes and like the fancy schmancy camera when it's like, 
you don't want you don't want to give your good stuff at the beginning like do the crappy stuff first <laughs> yeah absolutely i think there's two like really good lessons there one is like this inspirational message of like it's okay you can figure it out too you know with these big youtubers they started out with crappy videos it's okay they figured it out they learned and you can go through that same journey so that's like the good inspirational part and then the other side is like this kind of like uh tough message like tough love here of you know compare your videos to I Justine's first videos versus I Justine's videos today, which is it more like, okay? And are you honestly expecting to get way better results if your videos are like the crappy videos of every big YouTuber's first videos um, because they didn't get those big results till their videos started to improve, which yeah. like I said, tough love, but it's the truth. And I think people need to know that. I don't disagree with you. I think that's really important. Look, I'm really sorry to interrupt, but did you know that YouTube is the world's second biggest search engine? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but that's why every creator truly needs to be using vidIQ to grow their YouTube channel. vidIQ's tech helps you tailor your video ideas to match what people are searching for right now on YouTube. And once you're ready to upload, well, it starts optimizing and getting you all the details that you need to make sure your videos are getting noticed. If you really want to dive in more and get started for free, please head over to the womenofyoutube.com forward slash vidIQ to get started on this YouTube channel changing tool that is going to make things so much easier for you. All right, let's get back to it. So what advice then would you give to super new or creators who are looking to get started? What advice do you have to them so that they can have like success and maybe even some easy wins out the gate? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. This isn't exactly an easy one, but it's the first thing that came to my mind. And that is always be looking for ways to improve. I'm sure you've heard that work on making every video better than your last. And specifically, instead of just like looking at all the problems that you are facing right now, how your lighting is not quite how you want, how maybe your audio doesn't sound quite as good. Maybe you are saying, um, too much or something like that. You notice all these little problems. I want you to pick just one thing to work on improving in your next video. What can you do to improve your lighting or to improve the way you're speaking or to improve your background? Just pick one thing and really work on improving that. And maybe you spend a couple videos just working on making that thing as good as it can be and then move on to something else and work on improving that aspect of your video production. So that's the first thing I'd say. And then specifically in terms of like an easy win, still, maybe this isn't an easy win, but it's so important. And that is that, you know, a lot of people say that they are shy about sharing their videos with people they know. That a lot of people even say like, that their number one fear with starting a YouTube channel is that maybe their friends in real life will find out about it. But here's the thing. If you want to become known on YouTube and you want to grow a big following, you have to really work on that mindset, that limiting belief, and ask yourself why you're concerned about that. Now, some people, before they start their channel, I think that they are just like feeling self-conscious overall and like maybe their friends will judge them possibly. Um, but a lot of people after they start their channel, the reason they feel like that is because deep down they know that their video quality isn't really where it should be and they're not really proud of what they're creating. So I want you to get really real with yourself about whether or not you are telling people in real life about your channel. And if you're not, why aren't you? And what could you do with your videos to improve them to the point that you are proud to share them with people? Because that really will be the point at which your channel starts growing. 
I love that. Okay, so I want us to take a little bit of a pivot. We've given such amazing advice about how to create better content and do such good stuff. One of the things that I really want to talk to you about as well is the homepage of your YouTube channel is a video about how you do it all, like how you work, how you be a mother, how you be a wife, all this stuff. And I think that this is important, just as important as YouTube stuff. We as women juggle, like we always have a lot of things going on, especially if we're like, if we have a day job and we're also trying to figure out this YouTube thing and we also have like kids or whatever, or they're trying to add like an additional form of revenue into the, our, our lives to help supplement that life. Or we want to like, how do we run a business and create content and be a mom? I know I've had my own struggles and my own situations for this, but talk to us about how you have been able to have a life and a business. Yeah, oh, such a good question. So first, I have to preface this by pointing out that that video that you were talking about, the how do I do it all? Um, the video is called something like how I quote do it all. And the backstory with that video is that that is one of the most popular questions I get asked is how do you do it all? And so I felt like I should make a video to address that question to answer that question. But kind of the conclusion or the thesis statement of that video, if you will, is that I don't do it all. You know, we mm -hmm. all have to make choices about what we're going to do and what we are not going to do. Like we all make these trade-offs. And so people see the things that I choose to do. And the, a lot of the things that I choose to do are fairly visible or create a pretty significant visible result. And so it looks like I'm doing more than other people are doing. But you know, we all have the same number of hours in a day, we all make these trade offs. I would say that it seems like most people can manage to do about three or four main things in their life. So for example, maybe you have a day job, maybe you also go to the gym, and maybe you also maintain a little bit of a social life. Maybe that's your life. Okay, you do these three main things. Maybe you have kids, so you spend most of your time staying at home, taking care of your kids. That's your main thing. And then you also manage to find a little bit of time to work out and a little bit of time to watch TV. Okay. But the, most people have like three main buckets of stuff that they do. And those things might be really productive, like, I don't know, writing a book, or those things might be not productive at all, like watching TV. And you just have to be real with yourself again. It just keeps coming back to this, doesn't it? But be real with yourself about what you're spending your time on, and then make a decision about whether that's what you want to spend your time on. Personally, I choose to spend most of my time creating YouTube videos and running my business, which I see making YouTube videos as part of running my business. So that's one of my big buckets. And then I spend a fair amount of time homeschooling my kids. And then I would say my third big bucket is just kind of like trying to maintain my lifestyle actually in terms of like keeping my house as organized as I would like my house. Um, and just like me, probably my household, I would say is my third big category because that's something that's important to me. Um, and so I try to find some time to work out. Also, I try to find some time to read books. I definitely spend a little bit of time watching some TV every once in a while, scrolling Instagram. You know, we all do a lot of things, but what are your three biggest categories that you're spending most of your time on and are those really aligned with your priorities? How much do you do yourself and how much do you outsource? Hmm. So I work for both my business and including my YouTube channel for about 20 hours per week. Um, sometimes as high as about 25, but normally in that range, 20 to 25 hours per week. Um, and then I have a small team of people, about half a dozen people who work part-time for me. And collectively, 
all of us together, we work about 80 hours a week. So I'm doing about a quarter of the work um, and other people are doing about three quarters of the work. But I definitely want everyone to know that I ran my business and my YouTube channel by myself for the first couple of years. And there were various things that didn't get done that I wanted to get done. But from the outside, it looked pretty similar. I was posting a video every week, sometimes two videos every week, just like I do today. And I had digital programs, digital courses that I sold. Um, and I posted a couple times a week on Instagram. So from the outside, it looked similar. It's just now I would say that more of like the housekeeping of the business gets done much better and much more thoroughly. So everything is a lot more organized. And that has enabled me to make my business more sustainable long-term so that we are building marketing systems that continue to grow the audience more and more every week. And we've been able to build out the digital programs and make them you know, just the best programs they could be, helping the students to get better and better results. Um, we've been able to create case studies and testimonials from our successful students and various things like this. So I really, really appreciate my team, but I want everyone to know that you can run a YouTube channel in five to 10 hours a week and you can run a business in five to 10 hours a week. And so if you, even if you don't have help, I know that anyone can do it. What was the first thing you outsourced? The very first thing I successfully outsourced was video editing. I tried to outsource lots of random things before that because I had heard about this magical power of virtual assistants and how they can do things for you. And I thought that sounded really cool, but I really struggled to get those things outsourced. I needed to have a really specific like role and responsibility that someone needed to do for me so that they could completely tackle that. Because otherwise, when I had people just trying to do random stuff, it took me so much time to manage them that it wasn't worth it. But mm -hmm. video editing, that's like one task that takes a significant amount of time itself. So that meant that I could reinvest my time into other areas of growing my business and my channel. I hear that as the first thing I did as well, because it's a whole time, whole time situation and the rendering alone. Very. Dangerous. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, okay. So I always like to do a little bit of rapid fire uh, with my guests. So what is yeah. it that you film with? Oh, I have like three or four different cameras and I kind of switch back and forth between them. I love my Canon M50, which is the cheapest camera I own just for its like run and gun ability. It's like so light, so easy to use. I've also got a Nikon Z6 that I know is not the most popular camera, but it looks so beautiful. So I love that one too. Love it. All right. And who's your favorite female creator? Oh, that's a really hard question. Lately, I've been loving, in, in terms of like the business entrepreneurship realm, especially Kimberly Ann Jimenez. I think she is highly underrated. She only has about 60,000 subscribers, but her videos are very helpful and very beautiful. And let's see, I've been watching a couple other like lifestyle YouTubers lately as well. Hmm. I'm trying to think. Well, we're just going to leave it at Kimberly and Jimena's. <laughs> That's totally fine. Who is someone that you just would love to collaborate? Your, your dream collaboration? My dream collaboration? Hmm. I had one of my dream collaborations the other day, actually. Um, I did uh, an interview with Jasmine Starr, and I thought that, that was really cool. Um, it was so great to talk to her. Um, I would love to collaborate with Seth Godin, who is a, a business a, a business leader. Um, I think that he is brilliant, and I don't know if there's any chance of that happening because I know he guards his time really closely. But that'd be really <laughs> cool. Nice. Um, 
What was one of your favorite videos that you ever created? Oh, there have been so many. I don't know if I can pick one off the top of my head. Um, I don't know if I could answer this question. <laughs> That's fine. Okay, so then what was your what's your next YouTube goal that you're looking to? My to next hit? YouTube goal. So ever since I reached about a hundred thousand subscribers, I stopped really having number based goals. I didn't really feel like I needed a single another subscriber. Um, I you know a hundred thousand people that was way more than enough people to be staring at my face. <laughs> uh, and so my goal is just constantly to be improving my videos to make them more enjoyable for people to watch. So that they keep watching them and they can get the value out of them because you know people have these questions that they all always writing me via email or via dm and asking um and i know that the reason they don't have the answer yet is just because we haven't yet figured out how to package the information in the right way to make it easy enough for them to consume and to really understand so i just want to make content that is so enjoyable to watch that people can't help from but learn from it i love that all right what do you think is one of the most overlooked details or mistakes that YouTubers make? I would say that one of the most overlooked details is just that they think that they can copy what's working for big successful channels. And especially they see that a lot of big successful channels talk about kind of a lot of random topics, but they don't realize that that's a privilege that they have because they've built their audience to the point that they have. Um, but when you're first starting out, you really do have to focus not necessarily on an extremely niche topic. So not not a topic that is really non-competitive. It can be a popular topic, but you need to focus in on a topic that there's demand for. Hmm. And what is a mistake that you have made that we could learn from? Oh, so many. I would say, okay, the one that comes to mind is not switching my camera into manual mode soon enough. So for the first couple of years of making videos, I was filming with my camera on automatic mode because I thought, I don't know how to work a camera. Um, and I thought it was good enough. But as soon as I switched my camera into manual mode, finally, and especially I started manually adjusting the white balance on my camera and the various exposure settings, I realized I could make my videos look so much better. And I just didn't know. I love that. Do you think there's room on YouTube for new creators? Oh, absolutely. And I know that that's, I feel like most people probably say that, but I absolutely have proof. I've seen so many brand new channels take off just over the last year or so. Um, you know, YouTube is a constantly evolving and growing platform. New people are constantly becoming YouTube users and people's tastes change. And I think a lot of people overlook that, that you don't normally watch a channel forever. You watch a channel for a few months or a few years, and then your tastes change and your interests change and you will find new channels on YouTube and you stop watching the old ones. And because of that, there is always room for new creators. Love that. Where can people follow you on the YouTubes, Jillian? So on YouTube, you can find me just by searching for my name, Gillian Perkins, or you can go to youtube.com slash Gillian Perkins online. You can also find my website, gillianperkins.com, or find me on Instagram at Gillian Z Perkins. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to put the links to all of that into our show notes. Thank you so much for your time, Gillian. It's been truly fantastic to talk with you and learn from you. And I hope that everyone listening just got so much out of it. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you. And to you and everyone that's listening, you are possibly amazing. Peace. 
Thank you for listening to the Women of YouTube podcast. We would love to know what you thought about this latest episode. So make sure to tag us with hashtag Women of YouTube with your thoughts. 